Hey, it's Corey, your best lifeguard, and this is the Pool Scene Podcast. Hi, I'm Rob Leonard, one of your lifeguards, and you're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Hey, this is Angela, your lifeguard, and you're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. This is your lifeguard, Matt. Whether you're just dipping those toes or diving into the deep end with us, thanks for listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Hey guys, I'm Dana, and you're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. What's up, guys? It's Scott Kuntz, uh, a.k.a. Tunza, and you are listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. <laughs> I think the message to uh, psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases all over the world is uh, do not mess with suburbanites because, uh, frankly, we're just not going to take it anymore. You know, we're not going to be content to look after our lawns and wax our cars, paint our houses. We're out to get them, Don. We are out to get them. Ray, you're chanting. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Pool Sceners, we hope you enjoyed our first ever installment of the Swim Meet series last week. This week, we return to our regularly scheduled programming. Of course, this is the Pool Scene Podcast. Peeking out my windows, I'm Kevin, joined by my neighbor, Jim. Hello, hello. Jim isn't my actual neighbor. No. He lives a few towns over, but... I call him that because we're covering the neighbor team-up movie, The Burbs. Not a not a cop team-up, not a buddy cop. <laughs> exactly. That's the best way to put it is a neighbor team-up. It's a neighbor team-up movie. With the Duke. Yes. Probably his most fleshed out role of anything. Yeah. It's actually he's featured and not just an ancillary guest star Something we'll character. get into later, but they refer to him as fat guy. And the fat man, and I'm like, he's not fat. You see that guy, Mr. Weingartner, the fat guy. He's not, he's not fat. fat. I mean, there's definitely, he was definitely written to be a fat guy, but we'll talk about that in logic. <laughs> the uh, breakfast scene. The Burbs was released in 1989, directed by Joe Dante. The anniversary is today as we record, February 17th, 1989. What, 32 years? What is this? 32, yeah, yeah. 32 years. Joe Dante is an American treasure. He co-directed Rock and Roll High School, directed Gremlins, Inner Space, Explorers, and Small Soldiers, amongst uh, other films. Small and Soldiers is a great-ass movie. It's Same cool. with Inner Space. I mentioned Inner Space when we were looking at the trailer for Agent USA. In my opinion, The Burbs is not talked about enough. This could and should be watched every Halloween, despite being more of a black comedy than a horror movie. I don't see how it would be considered a horror movie. There's just that one scene. It's kind of horror s. Well, the the music, the cues, the you know, the spooky house, you know, murder, a little bit of of horror elements. Dante's filmmaking is impressive as well. Whole movie was shot at Universal Studios. They used the famous Colonial Street cul-de-sac set, which was previously used for Dragnet, and most recently used for the new Leave It to Beaver. Recently, as in. The most recent before the release of this movie. Yeah. Since then, a bunch of stuff is, they're still using this lot. There's too much to count. I obviously enjoy the fact that the Klopek house was used in season two of Quantum Leap. Was it really? Yeah. Pretty neat. Shit, I would have to see that episode. I don't even remember that. The movie, well, he didn't leap into the Klopeks or anything. But. <laughs> he leapt into Father Klopek. That'd be great. Uh, movie wasn't successful by any means, but was well, it wasn't unsuccessful. It's profitable, but kind uh, of. But was probably overshadowed in 1989 by films such as Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Best one in that trilogy. Batman. Great. Back to the Future 2. Yep. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay. And Ghostbusters 2. Hell yeah. And it was a little less than a year prior was Beetlejuice, which was doing the whole spooky house thing. Mm -hmm. Much different movie, but you know. Yeah, same yeah. spooky house idea. So, Jim, this would probably be a good time to tell us about the budget box office and what we were doing when this movie was released. Okay, so as we are recording it, like we said, it's the 32nd anniversary of the release of The Burbs coming out on February 17th, 1989 with a whopping budget of $18 million and it made $49 million. That's pretty impressive. Overall, pretty damn good. Enough that you almost break even. Could have done a Burbs too. I don't know if you could do a verbs to get a new neighbor. Oh God. Somebody comes in, they rebuild the Clopex and it ends up being the naps come back. It'd be something yeah. different in the news. Kevin, you probably know this very well. Solidarity union leader, 
Lech Walesa begins negotiating with the Polish government. Going around the fall of communism kind of helped spark the people to go against communism. One of our favorite television shows celebrated its 100th episode, Miami Vice. Nice. When, I'll never forget watching the episode of Miami Vice, they always had this tendency on that TV show to play very popular music, and no other television show did that at the time. But I'll never forget Crockett and Tubbs in the Testarossa with In the Air Tonight playing the greatest montage. They played the whole song in that montage. Vince McMahon in the World Wrestling Federation admits pro wrestling is an exhibition and not a sport in a New Jersey courtroom. So that's a good way to get around some certain things. Yeah, they they got in a lot of trouble. They had a steroid trial. They had Dr. David Schultz punch a guy. Yeah, John Stossel. Yeah, John Stossel. He punched him for questioning whether wrestling was fake. Which he was just trying to protect the biz, you know, kayfabe boys. And yeah. uh, the doc stayed in kayfabe. And-, and and now Vince says no WWE superstar is allowed to promote any third party. No Twitter, no Instagram, no nothing. Even though they're considered independent contractors. The day after they announced that, AJ Styles promoted Arcade One Up on his Twitter. Did he really? Yeah, he said... Great nostalgia, arcade Great one nostalgia. Up. Yeah, and he posted like a AJ. I think Styles. it was the big Buck Hunter one and the uh, outrun. Oh, okay. yeah, big the Buck outrun, Hunter and outrun. The outrun is awesome. Yeah, no, big Buck but thing doesn't. Surprise everybody me. was like, "Ooh, AJ, like you're gonna get in trouble." Because now you know these big names. They're not. He's. They're gonna get like a wrist slap. It's gonna be the mid carters Ex- and the low carters exactly. are gonna get shit it's, canned. It's like the not to go into wrestling tangent, but it's it's the old drug policy. Yeah, if you were a superstar, we're gonna ignore it. If you're lower on the card, we're going to use drug policy as a way to threaten you and keep you in check. Yeah, or get you the hell out of there. Yes. So, I mean, what a a shitty business practice all around. That's what Vince does. In the farther side of the world and the spectrum, Supreme Leader of Iran, the Ayatollah Khomeini, issues a fatwa calling for the death of Salman Rushdie and his publishers due to his novel, satanic verses a bounty is also placed on his head i remember this being big big news i'm pretty sure salman rushdie still has a fatwa on his head i'm pretty sure that's still happening the soviet military occupation of afghanistan also ends in february of 1989 their personal vietnam they were in afghanistan for 10 whole years you think they would have learned from us in vietnam where you cannot win on home people's turf can't do it now we're going to send it over to our correspondent here at the Pool Scene Podcast, George Michael. Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to the Sports Machine. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar becomes the first NBA player to score 38,000 points, and Kareem is still the all-time NBA scoring leader. Not for long. Not for long. I'd have to say one of our favorites on the show, Dodger pitcher Oral Hershiser, Yeah. who... And former Cleveland Indian. And former Cleveland... The Bulldog. That's right. Uh, one of those names you really don't see anymore. I can only think of Oral Hershiser and Oral Roberts. Is that anything like the Anal Johnson? <laughs> he signs a whopping three-year, $7.9 million contract. Big money. Big money. And, of course, legendary coach and Hall of Famer Tom Landry is shit-canned by the Dallas Cowboys after a 29-year career, which led to Jimmy Johnson getting hired coming from the University of Miami, and led the Cowboys to a 1-15 in year with Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith. It's a good thing that uh, turned around. Oh, yeah, that big turn, that 90s. Turned around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it kind of turned out okay. The number one movie in America, I was shocked by this. It only lasted one week. The Fly 2, Eric oh. Stoltz. Well, wasn't the Burbs? Uh, Burbs was after this for three weeks. Okay. But the week before... yeah was The Fly 2. That's an interesting movie. I've only seen it one time. Yeah, real weird. But I remember the original Fly with Goldblum giving me nightmares. That's not the kid. original Fly. but not the, Well, not the Vincent yes. Price one, but the remake of yeah. Goldblum. The number one song in America is probably one of my favorite songs of the 80s, no doubt. Paul Abdul. Straight up now tell me, do you really want to love me forever? Oh, oh, oh. Shoot a 
couple real good ones. For some reason, it's painful for me to see her now. It's bad. It's like I see her dancing in a she like a Metamucil commercial or something. She's like, <laughs> it's yeah. great. She can shit well and dance. She's still. like dancing, and I'm like, oh god. And you know, she was on American Idol for years. I, I just, she had gr- three great songs. This one, Forever Your Girl, and of course, Opposite Attract with Hush, MC Rush, Oh, called. Rush, Rush, yeah. with Keanu Reeves in the video. Yeah. And that's what was going on in and around the 17th of February. For all you Europeans out there, I said the date properly, 1989. And I'm not going to elaborate, but uh, if we revisit this date next year, Rush Limbaugh died. Somebody said, uh, don't celebrate his death, mourn his life. <laughs> Pretty much. So, yeah, pour one out and piss on it. There we go. Yeah. Let's have a, a peek at the plot. Peek at the plot. It's time for Kevin's peek. That sounded like at a the plot. Sesame Street song. That's what I try to do. I try to spice it up a little bit. Uh, do a little it, sing. In the suburbs, Ray Peterson decides to spend his vacation at home. Ray wants to spend the week in his pajamas, reading the paper, and watching the game. Noticing some weird activity from the new neighbors in the old house next door, Ray teams up with some other neighbors to get to the bottom of what's up with the Clopex and find out if they killed their other missing neighbor, Walter. Jim, unless you have anything else to mention, let's get into the characters. <laughs> Tom Hanks as Ray Peterson. Tom Hanks coming off big. Yes. So where a woman fucks a child. Bruce, Isn't that the weirdest thing? When you watch big and you go, you yeah. see the moment when she's like, when he's walking towards his house and yeah. he becomes a kid. You think that's going through her mind at all? Be like, oh my God, I fucked a child. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Bruce Stern as Mark Rumsfeld. <sighs> Carrie Fisher as Carol Peterson. Looking Rick, great, by the way. Duke Pool Scene Hall of Famer as Art Weingartner. Corey Feldman as Ricky Butler, his good friend. <laughs> hey, Rumsfeld, this is my friend, Steve Koontz. Shout out, Tunza. Hey, Mr. Rumsfeld. <laughs> hey, yo, man. I want to introduce you to my friend, this Steve Koontz. Hey, dude. Huh? Be sure to watch the show this afternoon. Great. Henry Gibson is Dr. Warner Klopek. Somebody named Brother Theodore plays Uncle Ruben Klopek. What a name that is. And Brother Teddy. And anybody else. Courtney Gaines. Uh, which actor or actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? This is the one movie I think we've done. This was the 36th or something like that episode where Tom Hanks is great, but the secondary characters seem even better. Oh, yeah. We love the Duke. The yeah. Duke is almighty. Fucking. I swear to God, Rumsfield. Yep. I know you're in there, old man. Honey, honey, the neighbors. Listen up, mister. That piece of scum barking rat of yours is just taking his last dump on my lawn. I find one more, just one. I'm going to catch him and staple his ass shut. Wakes up every morning, raises the American flag, salutes it. He always has his gun. He Everything he does in real life has some sort of army terminology to it. Now, I, I will say... The one that I'm selecting is Corey Feldman as Ricky Butler. Yo, Steve, man. Hey, what's the haps, dude? You gotta come down here today. It's gonna be live. Like, like you've got to. Well, something's about to happen. I can't tell you. Oh, I love Ricky Butler. Now, I never figured out, does he fucking live at that house or does he just paint no, that house? No, he just paints the house, I think. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, they tell Ricky watch our house you know we're going on a proper vacation but i'm going to talk about this a little bit later you know this movie on a surface level it's a movie about neighbors doing neighbor stuff but it's actually the way joe dante made this movie is it's much deeper every character in this movie represents life in the suburbs in some way and ricky butler played by Corey feldman is sort of that gen xer who is stays out of you know, everybody else has moved himself from the larger picture and it's on purpose. There's a reason that that character is written that way. He's a very lazy painter, especially when he puts that fucking thing, I, of white paint on top of that massive speaker and, and spills, he spills it, it. <laughs> just forgets about like, whatever. And just like, yeah, whatever. So let's move on to best scenes and see what made a splash. Oh. So for me, I will say this movie has potential to be like an all time personal grade. I love the first 40, 45 minutes of this movie. So good. I will tell you where this movie loses me. Okay. When they actually meet the Klopex. When, when they go next door to the wives dinner party. take them into the Klopex house. 
Now, before somebody falls off a roof or sets themselves on fire, I think we should go over there, knock on their door, and invite ourselves in for a nice neighborly chat. Get to know these people like we should have done a month ago. Because up until then, it's this... They're a mystery. It's a Scooby-Doo mystery it with is. all this, you know, tension and suspense. They take their garbage out by putting it in the yeah, trunk of their car. They drive it to the curb. And then they reverse back in. Yeah, so they do all this. And it's like this this mystique. And obviously a movie can't continue at that yeah. at that pace. You know, you see the digging in the backyard. They bash the shit out of the garbage yeah, with a Yeah, you hoe. see all these things, you know. And uh, it's so great. Up until that point, you're like, man, this movie rules. The sound cues. That's where it's like a horror movie. Once they meet the Klopex, it's kind of like the charade's over. I do love the fact that a lot of this movie is spurred on the Duke's or Art's conspiracy theories about their ex-neighbors, the Naps. Yeah. He thinks the Klopex killed the Naps. Yeah. I'm sure glad I'm not the one who lives right next door to him. I mean, come on, let's face it. You know, these Klopex are strange. I've been watching that house ever since they moved in. No one goes in. No one comes out. No visitors, no deliveries. What do you think they're eating over there, right? And he ends up looping Ray and Rumsfield into this whole caper. It's uh, so good. Okay, so, and then quickly before we really talk about best scenes, I want to mention, I want Freaky's cereal. Dude, I used to eat that when I was a kid. I thought it was fake. So there's a scene where Ray is trying to watch Jeopardy mm-hmm. with Carol, his wife, and he's eating Freaky's cereal. That's now, what, is a snack. Unbelievably, this was a real cereal. I can't believe you never knew about this Actually, cereal. Actually, Jim, you know, to you and I, this is not unbelievable that this cereal existed because as kids, the cereal aisle was heaven. We had Gremlins, Nintendo, E.T., Mr. T, G.I. Joe, Ghostbusters, like literally anything, anything, of, any yeah. cereal. No Quantum Leap cereal. No, unfortunately. So cereal sucks now. I mean, it's Do like... Do you remember... That cereal aisle, but then the other side was just generic aisle. Yes. It was just cereal. And most of those are just as good. And you'd Pretty get much. like five pounds. You'd get a pillowcase full. But as a kid, you don't want to be caught with no. your friend coming down the aisle and your parent grabs no. generic You buy shit. Lucky Charms, get the get the Lucky Stars out of here, Mom. Oh, look at you, Terry, you poor piece of shit. So, yeah, cereal sucks now. One brand does like a special release every few years. People get excited. But you and I know how it could be because we lived it. Mm-hmm. So, Jim, why don't why don't you give us one of your favorite scenes? Okay, so this one comes with a story. Now, this is probably ah, 15 years or so ago now when we used to do horror comedy movies. we There was this convention. I can't remember. It was out in Austin Town. It's it now. Dark Christmas. Dark Christmas because now the facility is now a rehab was facility. Was it Dark Christmas? I think it was Dark Christmas. Yeah. Now, Courtney Gaines, who plays the young Klopek in this movie, I can't remember his name. He was there as a guest. Like, Courtney Gaines is also in one of my favorite movies, Can't Buy Me Love. And our table was right across from Courtney Gaines, so we're eye-to-eye with him. So every now and then, I was kind of shy, and I walked by the table, and I'd go, it came with the frame. Brumsfield's the name. Don't think I caught yours, Sonny. Hans. Hans. Oh, a fine Christian name. Hans Christian Anderson. <laughs> what, are you Catholic? I don't know. Pretty girl. Friend of yours? No, it came with the frame. It came with the frame? Yes. Now, it came with the frame. Yeah. I When I finally met Courtney Gaines, he also had another legendary line from Camp I Me Love where it was, you shit on my house. You shit on my house. We started talking to him, and he would always quote the lines, and I'd always bring up, I had him sign a picture, and could you put, it came with the yeah, frame. Great. And the fact in this scene when Rumsfeld holds up the picture, he said, pretty girl. And he goes, it came with the frame. And then Rumsfeld mockingly does his voice going, it came with the frame. It's so fucking and hilarious. To set this scene up a little bit, this is the scene that the movie goes astray for me. Yeah. So all these guys, you know, you've got Art and Ray and Rumsfeld, you know, the sneaking around the whole time. And Carol, who's Ray's wife, Wants him, let's go to the lake. Let's, yeah. Let's leave. Let's go for a week to the lake. He goes, no, I want to. And from what I understand, people weren't really taking staycations at this time. No. It was, if you were a family and you you had money, you go to the lake or you don't take vacation, you know? So 
He wanted to do a staycation. Yeah, stay at home in his pajamas and watch the game. Instead of staying in his pajamas and watching the game, he's spending his time out playing with his friends, (laughs) you know, watching the neighbors, spying on the neighbors. And the wives basically just say, we're sick of this. Let's let's stop running around two or three days of this. Let's find out. So they go. Art falls through the porch for the second time. And then the bees. Yeah, that's the first time. And then... uh, you know, they knock on the door, they answer, they go inside, and then they kind of just make themselves at home in the Klopex house. And their house, you know, it's that old Victorian style home. It looks like it was all the, the decorations are 40s or 50s, but they don't seem to have electricity, but they have that big incinerator in the basement. Well, yeah, there's the scene where it's almost like the house. It's not struck by lightning, but no. you see this like huge it's channeling power surge in the basement. Yeah. Oh, it's so crazy. It's like a uh, Frankenstein type yeah. thing. My first scene is the first time we see a Klopek come out of the house. Why don't you go say hi? Well, yeah, I guess I could. You know, it, it, this would be the perfect time because you could go up and talk to him. We, we could see what he's like. You know? Go. You could go say hi to him too. You know? Yeah, but he's your neighbor. Well, no, he's your neighbor. Well, no, but I'm over here. You share a property line with me. Yeah, you're like, we're all on the same block, so I mean, you could go too. So. No, it's well, we're all in the same town too, but you're right next to him. If he's ever going to borrow anything, he'd come over to your place. Well, he's, he's busy now. He's, no, he's, he's not busy now. Look, he's going into go now because if I mean, he's going back in. If you were if you were going to say hi, you should probably there. He's going into the hut. You're, you're going to lose him because he's, he's going to go in. Well, there, now you've blown it, haven't you? No, I didn't blow it. He, went, he went into his house. Chicken? I'm not chicken because he went into his house. Well, he went into his You know, you look like a chicken in front of your son and everything. Your son. So, what's the, the son's... I don't know. It's, it's Courtney Gaines. It's Gaines. Yeah, I'm going to look um, real quick. It's Hans. Yeah, so Hans Klopek. Hans Klopek comes out of the house, and there is this over-the-shoulder shot from over Hans's shoulder, and we get a pan from left to right, and you just see all of the neighbors are outside, literally just fixated, staring directly at him. Yes. So he just kind of like looks out there and then he turns and goes back in the house. So after this, you know, Art criticizes Ray for not making, you know, communication with Hans. So Art and Ray go and knock on the door. Art falls through the porch and then they knock on the door. The house number falls from 669 to 666. So it turns into 666. <laughs> and then they get attacked by bees. <laughs> and then they run across the street. Run to me! Yeah. Run to water! And Rumsfeld's like spraying them with the hose. And then we get this great quote from Rumsfeld that says In Southeast Asia, we call this type of thing bad karma. So I really. With the music in the background, like yeah. it's. Hatton or if it's full metal jacket. See, th- that's where this movie works for me is like, there's a spooky house, something weird's going on. And every time they attempt to figure out what is spooky about this house, something happens. But I see where it loses it for you. Cause I like the mysticism. Yeah. Go, what the fuck is happening and, in there? And you even get some setup through exposition where the son Ray's son was like, I saw him digging in the backyard. So that just it starts turning the gears. Night crawlers. Yeah, night crawlers. And then it's, it turns the gears. So it sets you up to think what's going on at this house. And I don't understand the house itself. And maybe this is a logic issue. It's so dilapidated. It's a beautiful suburban cul-de-sac. Beautiful. A enormous piece of shit house. That's like, it, it just, it's out of place. The one thing I do also like when they do go to the dinner and of course, they're snooping around or trying to figure out what the hell's going on in this house. They find Walter's toupee yeah. amongst his mail. Yes. And instead of thinking, hey, we well, we find out later on that they told were, to get his yeah, mail and yeah. they did. So the Klopex initially are considered just normal people. Yeah, and we should we should preface that. So their yeah. other neighbor, Walter, the old guy, has he's missing. Yeah. You know, they're he's not around. They don't know where he's at because they find his dog. Yeah, Queenie. Yeah. Who shits in Rumsfeld lawn. Return Rumsfeld breaks in to Walter's house. They return the dog. And that's actually a great scene too. But they uh they go in the house, Art goes through the fridge, and they find the toupee on the stove. But Ray leaves a note. Walter, your dog is in my house. Your window is broken because we all thought that Walter. 
I have your dog. Walter, I have your dog. Yeah, Walter, I have your dog. And the Clopex see Ray leave the note, which is kind of important later. Big time. So my second one <laughs> is when they are preparing to do the siege of the Clopex house. There's all this planning involved, like Art works for the electric company. He's going to cut the power. Careful up there, Art. Go slow, huh? Hey, safety is my middle name. Middle name was Lewis. Rumsfeld decides to put up a a sniper post yeah. on the top of his fucking roof. He has a sniper rifle. They all have code. And of course, Ricky, who is enamored. We didn't bring up the fact Rumsfeld's wife, Wendy Shaw. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. The most revealing clothing yes. possible. And of and course, Ricky likes her. Hey, uh, Mrs. Rumsfeld. No tan lines this morning. Looks nice. That kid next door is a meatball. Hey, Mrs. Rumsfield, no tan lines this morning. <laughs> and she just plays it up. Yeah. And Rumsfield calls him a meatball. I love that. It, the, the banter between Rumsfield and Ricky are really great. But specifically, Rumsfield's set up on the top of his house. He doesn't expect Ricky to be around. And then Ricky yells, Yo, Rumsfield! Oh. Awesome. Dude, yeah. Yeah. Are you okay? Sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was very cool, man. Hey, Rumsfield! <laughs> and then you see Rumsfield somehow falls from the third story yep. of his house all the way down, full back bump, completely fine. Yep, he's okay. I love the banter between Ricky and Rumsfield are just so damn good. My final scene that I will mention is Art Rumsfield and Ray swimming through the back of the garbage truck. Get out of the truck, man! Are you nuts? Hey, you gotta be in here somewhere. Hey. The Supreme Court ruled that a person's garbage is public domain the minute it hits the curb. Shut Did up! you guys pick up a hefty bag out of that yard that was bulky and, and probably a little bit moist? What the hell is wrong with these people? He has a right to know, Vic. Don't start up with me. Hey, could you help me get this guy out of here? Huh? My taxes pay your salary! Look, I don't want to hear any of your bullshit either. The question here is garbage. Who picks up this mess? picks up this mess or you're gonna pick up the mess because you are a garbage man so <laughs> as love Jim, it as jim mentions earlier they're suspecting that the clopex have killed walter well because they see them bash the shit out of garbage the right night before. so yes they're suspecting they've suspected this all along well then their evidence is they're outside hans klopek opens the garage door and they say hey the, the garage is opening it's during they're, a lightning storm yeah they're leaving the station wagon or whatever it is pulls up, but then stops at the curb, gets a garbage bag out of the trunk, puts it down in the can, and then bashes the can. With bashes, a hoe. Yeah, with a hoe multiple times, and then gets in the car and reverses back into the garage. I've never seen that. I've never seen anybody drive their garbage down to the street and bang the hell out of it with a stick. I've never seen that. Weird. And they said, well, there's our evidence, whatever. And they basically, I think it's Art and Ray say, we got to go over there and look in that bag. But they and, don't, and Rumsfeld's like, we can't do it in the middle of the night. Yeah, we can't do it at 11 p.m. Yeah. We have to do it. First light. First light. So they're going to wait until first light. So then morning comes, you see the garbage truck, and the garbage truck is tossing the garbage in the back of the truck, having a conversation. And you see, I think it's Art. Yeah, it's Art. Garbage! Garbage yeah. man! Sprints <laughs> and starts dumping the garbage. And then the one garbage man helps him. I He's love it. Dumping the garbage in the middle of the street. Who's gonna pick up this mess? <laughs> Meanwhile, Rumsfield is literally laying in the garbage yeah, truck. So Art and Rumsfield get in the garbage, and then Ray, Tom Hanks, sees it, and then he runs, and they're all going through this garbage, and there's no bodies, there's no body parts, <laughs> there's love, nothing. I love how Rumsfield was like, Do you just happen to see a huge bag that's probably this big and maybe moist? Maybe yeah. moist. <laughs> what garbage bag have you not pulled out of the garbage? It's already moist. So what they think was a body the night before there's no body it's just garbage and Meanwhile, there's nothing that would need to be hit with a hoe what people neglect to remember is they're doing this at first light first thing in the morning clopex are fucking home oh yeah meanwhile they leave the garbage the whole movie this goes out the garbage is still on the fucking street i love it yeah that was such a great scene yeah that's you can't get any better than that man and real quickly rumsfield again my guy 
at the very end where you find out the Klopex did kill the naps and probably a lot more people because in the trunk yes. you find all these skulls. So let's, I didn't do a, a thorough detailed plot summary. So let's go ahead and tell the audience what happens if they care to, Yeah, which is they see the Klopex digging they assume there's got to be a body. And then somebody puts two and two together that the bodies were already there. They're digging them up and then moving them to the basement and to burn them in the incinerator. So while they're at dinner with their Klopex, the Klopex tell them we have to go to the university. We won't be home tomorrow. Yeah, Cause one's a doctor. So they know that this is their time. Break into the Klopex house, find out once and for all, if something's amiss, they do. They don't, they don't find anything. They don't find anything, but somehow they cause the house to blow up. Because uh, Ray hits a gas line digging into the basement. Yes. And explodes the house, and he survives somehow. Yeah, Ray walks out very zombie-like, and basically is going to prison after he's treated for he his injuries. He throws himself on a gurney into an ambulance. Yeah, so he goes in the ambulance. Well, you think, okay... Movie probably can't end this way, but Ray's going to prison. Yep. Dr. You know, Klopek jumps in the ambulance Dr. with him. Dr. Klopek gets in the ambulance with him and tries to give him a lethal in- injection. Tries to kill him. Because Grandpa Klopek says, you must have looked in the basement, but basically what you don't you know. You saw my skulls, yeah, didn't you? Is look in the, the furnace, and that's where we hid the bodies. They didn't kill Walter because Walter returns home. He does the big surprise. Walter comes back and says, they were getting the mail for me, all of that. Or maybe the cops say that, but they killed the previous family who the owned naps. the house. So they basically killed them and took their house. The man confessed they murdered the naps. He's demented. Hey, hey, Sherlock, get the cloak packs to tell you where they buried the stiffs, okay? You don't have a stiff. You don't have any evidence at all. You do now. This your vehicle, Doctor Klopek. Of all, all houses, I don't. They wanted that old. Doctor. And all their skulls and the their bones are in the trunk of the Klopex yes. car. Yeah, there's a, a fight on a gurney. <laughs> there's the fight on a gurney with Doctor Klopek and Ray. But then Hans Klopek tries to get the hell out of the neighborhood. He tries to steal the ambulance, yeah. which runs into Art's house. Yes. And then as Courtney Gaines <laughs> starts running, Rumsfeld goes, "Hey, Pinocchio." Where are you going? Gotcha! Don't you make a move, Sonny. I was 18 months in the bush and I could snap your neck in a heartbeat. And he's dressed literally in lederhosen. Yeah. Which makes no sense. The, the best is Art basically has this recurring theme where he like can't possibly fathom being with your wife. And you don't even know if Art's married. You just hear a voice. But somebody yells at the end. Art! Your wife's home. And your house is on fire. My wife is home. Art, your house is on fire and your wife's home. And he goes, my wife's home. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, because you never see his wife. Yeah. You just hear her voice at the end. Yep. So So that was great. That's mine. Okay. So if you live in the suburbs, it's pretty good chance that you visit the community pool. Yes. And if you visit the community pool every hour at the end, you got to have yourself a pool check. Pool check. <laughs> got to fish out the geezers. Yeah. So this week we want to cover the greatest one hit wonder songs of all time. There are so many. There's a lot. No, no accompanying video. Actually, before we get into one hit wonders, we, uh, little teaser, we have a little teaser. Uh So we are going to do Kevin, put that up against it's time for pulsing podcast ASMR. Oh fuck. It's card time. (laughs) So. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Card yeah, yeah, yeah. time. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so. I think it's time for Kevin to open up some cards today. A few weeks ago when we did the Rock of Ages episode, I randomly opened a pack of football cards. Football. And it was pretty fun. Just the thrill on air of doing a, uh, a like an unboxing. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. So I, uh. I bought a few packs of cards. I was at a thrift store and they had some old cards. So this is going to keep us entertained for a couple weeks. This week, I will be opening the quarterback challenge 1991 Domino's pizza made by upper deck coming to a store near you. 
Upper Deck Premier Edition NFL football trading cards. Which... The quarterback challenge was an amazing event they would show on CBS during Pro Bowl week. Yes. You'd have the target practice. You'd have the distance throwing. And a reason they didn't necessarily get a, get rid of it because they do the skills challenge on Pro Bowl week, which our Cleveland Brown Jarvis Landry is the best uh, dodgeball player ever, Damn ever straight. made. But um, the quarterback's challenge, it's like every year somebody like would win it that was like a low level quarterback. Moon throws at 80 yards. Yeah, so let's open up and I don't I don't know if this is one card or two or 10 or what. So let's go ahead and open the foil pack. <laughs> and let's see what we got. Oh my god. Okay, we got a couple. We've got Andre Ware from Detroit Lions. Wade Wilson. We're off to a great start. Wade Wilson. Len Dawson. All right, dude. Hall of Famer, Len yeah. Dawson. And then Cowboys Gunslingers, oh, which God. is Troy Aikman and Roger Staubach. There we go. Kind of underwhelming. It was very underwhelming. Very underwhelming. I no was, Bo Jackson in that group. So there's something worth opening. We've got a couple others. I hope. What I hope is that when we randomly open these cards once in a while, I'm going to win one of these. You're going to either win something or you're going to come across a card that's like $1,500. Yeah, and then we just fund our podcast. Yeah, uh, no shit. We have these baseball ones we'll do soon, which you can win like a $100,000 baseball card shopping spree. Which, now, what is that for inflation? Is that like <laughs> $2 million adjusted for inflation? $2 million in sports cards. Which, where am I going to go to do that? No shit. All right, so let's get on to the one-hit wonders. I spoke first on eaters. Yeah, I spoke first on the uh, the scenes. So why don't you go ahead? Give us your number five. Okay, so apparently there are so many one hit wonders and people jump right to the 80s because the 80s are full of one hit wonders. But Kevin showed me a list. There's a lot of one hit wonders that are dating back to the 50s and they make perfect rock and Robin. That's right. Here's my number five. Buffalo Springfield for what it's worth. Yeah. That is that beat. You guys can hear it right now. It's one of the most fucking amazing beats. Very Vietnam heavy because in this era, a lot of things had to do with Vietnam. And it makes you wonder if there was no Vietnam War, what would music be like? But this song I remember specifically in 1998, Public Enemy used this song and they brought on Buffalo Springfield to do He Got Game. And it was one of my favorite basketball playing songs of all time but when it comes to this one it's historical it's identifiable and you never would have thought it was a one-hit wonder i gotta go super soft bud on my number five oh pick. god please is it Chaz and dave it's bb mac back here oh, i was gonna put this on my list it's such a good song for boy band era pop you know 2000 or so it's a really solid song you know what's amazing though? I can name two other BB Max you songs. Can, of course you can. No, still you on my side. <laughs> they were not hits. They weren't. In they England. were songs. But yeah, that back here. Wow. Yeah, that's my number five. Okay, so my number four, we're going into the late nineties. We're getting into nineties punk, and I use that loosely. SR seventy one right now. Yep. Doom 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 doom. That song is such an adrenaline packed song for me. And it encompasses that late 90s, early 2000s. I can't wait to get out of it. It's an American Pie soundtrack song. Yep. Period. My number four was a soundtrack song for Romeo and Juliet. The Cardigans, a love fool. I totally forgot this song was even a part of the movie. I love this song. I hate this movie. I like the movie. The movie's good. Is this Baz Luhrmann? It is. That's why I hate it. Yeah, reimagining of Romeo and Juliet, but the uh, the Cardigans Love Fool, great video, great song, very catchy. Remi- like most of my picks, with the exception of like my number two and one, my first three picks will put you in a place in time. I mean, very this much. This one definitely does put you in a place in time. Was this song also on the Ten Things I Hate About You soundtrack? It may have been. Might have know. been. All those late '90s movies had the yeah, same songs. Six, in Sixpence, it. None the Richer, oh, Right Around the Same Time. Yeah. yeah. My number three is one of my guilty pleasure songs. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Kind of had a crush on this girl. 1987's Swing Out Sister Breakout. Now, a lot of you might not remember this song, but when you hear it, you'll know the chorus of I'm it. I'm going to have to hear it. You'll have to hear it. 
I don't know what it is about the song, but as a kid, there was this game for NES. This is how I relate to it. It was called Breakthrough. This song always charted really well in that time, especially on Hot 101, our local pop station. I would hear Breakout all the time. Every time I would play Breakthrough, I would sing Breakout. So to me, it's a personal hit. I know some people out there, wink, wink, hate this fucking song. I love it. Watch your top of the pops performance. Swing out, sister. Breakout. Hot 101 is the pop station that became an oldie station because they started playing pop music like when we were younger, and then they just never stopped playing those songs. No, they never And they did. played them for 20 years until they became oldies. Yeah. My number three probably was played on Hot 101. Semisonic Closing Time. The most I'll never forget when I first started DJing. Here's a tip for all you DJs out there. If you're DJing at bars, don't play this fucking song last. Don't be that guy. It's so cliche to play this at a bar. Fuck off. Yeah, this song uh, has deeper meaning about you know being pregnant and abortion. I bought the single to this. Probably smart on my part because... I couldn't name another song. Exactly. They were a one-hit wonder, and that's so one-hit wonder. She buy the single, not the album, and there you go. Okay, so my number two, Kevin, you'll like this song. We might know this as a certain wrestler's theme song, but yep, the video what it is. influenced us all so well. It's all the things she said by no. Russian, Russian female duo Tattoo. I might give away a pick, but I thought it was Easy Lover. No, it was Philip not Easy. Bailey, Easy Lover. I look at it like this. I must have used Easy Lover three times yeah. on this podcast. Yeah, same for me. There is a number of songs that I could have used that I've talked about. Haircut 100, I've talked about multiple times. Yeah. So, but yeah, do you tattoo, remember, all do, the things she said. Do you remember the controversy to this video? There's like, oh, my God, yes. this girl's kissed. Do you remember the Maxim poster? Yeah. It was like Jesus. there was a poster of them kissing and not wearing bras, wearing, you know, white but, tank tops. But then it came out. It was all an act. They yeah. weren't really together. Smart. Who cares? Yeah, no shit. But at this time, this was taboo. Yes. You didn't see this stuff, especially not out in public. Now. You walk down the street, you see it's a normal thing. But now, back then, as wow. you said, uh, Tattoo was a one-hit wonder, but I do remember there was another song, You're Not Gonna Get Us, or something like that. It's by Tattoo? It was by Tattoo. I don't remember that one. Because I remember Jamie Grant singing <laughs> something like, I'm, I'm gonna jack off, you're not gonna stop me, <laughs> or something. It was, I don't know. Jamie Grant, who will always, I've only met him once, who will always live in infamy for me for deciding during Kevin's bachelor party, while we all decide to go to the beach at four o'clock in the morning for him to sleep in his own automobile. Well, you met him at the wedding too. Oh, that's right. The yeah. wedding. Yeah. But I, yeah, he decided I'm, I'm going to sleep. I was quite There's a house. We're going to sleep. I'm going to sleep in the car. Yep. My number two fucking anthem, man. Just want to rage the neck. My Sharona. Oh my God. Yes. God. The, the, the beat of this one. Yeah, man. You just want to rage. It sounds so great. You know, I'm surprised there hasn't been multiple covers of this song. My Scrotum. Yeah, My Scrotum. It's so great. It's just like parties, Animal House, you know. It's perfect for it. My numero uno. Number one. Orange Juice Jones the Rain. I knew it. One of my personal favorite songs. It's two minutes and 35 seconds, but there's a talk down part that goes about a yeah. minute and 30. Yeah. <laughs> I followed you all day. Yeah. I cut up all your credit cards. Yeah. All your jewelry. Yep. Yeah. Orange Juice Jones, the man who makes you want to smoke a menthol Marlboro. Yep. Wow. You're like cornflake without the milk. Dude. He wanted to go Rambo on your ass. Guys, yeah. go on YouTube right now. You hear the song in the background. Watch this video. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. Great song. Great video. That's oh, so good. Wish he would have not been a one hit wonder because he was a charismatic. He fella. performed a couple years ago on Jimmy Kimmel show. Him and Jimmy did the rain, yeah. which was great. My number one. Number one. She ripped up a picture of the Pope. Oh, and Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor with nothing compares to you. A song written by Prince. And I just I love this song. I It is such a great anthem the lyrics is written by prince i mean that's all you really have to say yeah. you know she sang the shit out of it but the prince influence but that pope picture thing that's yeah. the problem that's probably why she was a one-hit wonder that's the problem though you always associate this amazing song with her pulling that on snl yeah she, like, having, a, shit. having a shaved head and ripping up a picture of the pope now i will uh talk about a couple honorable mentions we'll go back and forth but first i want to mention Another one hit wonder that Prince wrote that he did not put his name on Joan Osborne. One of us. Yeah. That's a jam too. 
Your mid ninety. There were so many one hit wonders in the mid nineties when we looked at that list. Yeah. So uh, go ahead, give us your first honorable mention, and then we'll we'll bounce back and forth a little bit. Okay. Speaking of mid nineties, Evan and Jaren, crazy I, for this girl. I figured you'd pick that. Had to. Norman Greenbaum, Spirit oh, in the Sky. One of the most recognizable guitar riffs. Yeah. It was in our first movie we ever covered on this podcast, Armageddon. Mm-hmm. My new shoes. I can't wait. Now, the funny thing about this song, there when this initially came out, it sounded completely different. They ended up meeting a guy that was a Danish musician who remixed the song. He was a Danish. He was a Danish. The fucking Danish got some coffee. Ended up becoming their only smash hit. Okay. Aha. Take on me. Totally forgot. God damn it. You totally. Well, you know, it's a one hit wonder, but. I guess that would have contradicted. They probably had other songs. But I can't yeah. fucking yeah. name it. Red Rider, Lunatic Fridge. Uh, I told Jim the other day, <laughs> oh we had God. a bit of a snowstorm here. It was a little hard to get around. And we had, uh, you know, the fam had had ran over a little bit of what we were doing, what we needed to do. And I went and picked up some food at a, a carryout place. You know, they not a sit-down restaurant. And I go in and I hear, ba-doom, doom this song is the biggest hype song of my life uh lunatic friends they were fucking rocking out the lunatic friends had a a little bit of banner with the girl working there she's like oh we're trying to get out of here she was like you know i was like i'm probably holding you up she's like no don't worry about it she's like we're trying to shut down and get home before the roads get worse but they're rocking out you're like uh before you guys lock up i gotta hear the fucking end of this song where he goes in that high-pitched scream he touched my wad (laughs) we will talk about vision quest but Uh, holy shit macarena that fucking song, all the kids still know to this day, yep. 30 years later, which yep. is crazy. Lit, My Own Worst Enemy, which you play at any bar. It's one of the best sing-along songs, Drunk in a Bar. Please tell me. Uh, please tell me why. Right said Fred, I'm too sexy. Fuck that guy. Yeah. We learned about that piece of shit. Of course, <laughs> Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight, my jam. Yep. 99 Left Balloons. I like the uh, I don't, that the Goldfinger cover. No, I like her English version because there's the German version, English version, and it's a song about nuclear weapons. Yeah, and in the English version, she says "in a hoey." Says <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, in a in a hurry. <laughs> oh, in a hoey. In a hoey. She's dropping those R's. Yeah, learn some dictation there, lady. You got more honorable mentions? Uh, I'll hit you with uh, two more real quick. Breakfast at Tiffany's, and don't forget one of the biggest deep one hit wonders new radicals you get what you give yes courtney love and marilyn manson delight groove is in the heart what is love oh baby don't, don't hurt, hurt. Hadaway. Hadaway. uh eight six seven five three oh nine fuck that guy who ended up having that number i shouldn't say fuck that guy sorry that guy yeah rat round and round terry jack seasons in the sun going back to yesteryear i think it was the 60s maybe 70s god i don't remember that song we had joy we had fun oh we had, we seasons. had seasons in the sun it was that time life two in the morning cd a thing bit, uh, a song that i never uh always attributed to someone else for some reason pilot magic modern english i melt with you such a great song burger king looking glass brandy you're a fine girl hell yeah vanessa carlton 1000 miles <laughs> Maybe the most prolific one hit wonder of all time, Chumbawamba, Tub Thumping. It took them 18 years to get one hit. Yep. It was Pers- perseverance. Get knocked down, I get up again. I'll never forget when that song hit. They performed it live on Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve. It was fucking amazing. Len, Steal My Sunshine. A very underrated song from such an underrated movie in Go. Tal Backman, She's So High. Never liked that song. But wait. Was did Boz Lerman do that sunscreen song? Mm-hmm. Same Boz Lerman that did Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. I knew I hated that guy. Yeah, he did uh, Moulin Rouge. Yep, he did a number of things. Uh, this is the story, story of, of a girl. girl by Nine Days. Cupid Shuffle. Yeah, dude, most of those dance songs are all one-hit wonders. OMC, how bizarre. Fache. House of Pain, jump around. Yeah, pack and it, then pack this it one's in. interesting is because House of Pain was a one-hit wonder. Everlast. Everlast was a member of House of Pain. And then he got a one hit wonder wonder with uh, what it's like. What it's like. Natalie and Brulia torn. I was trying to think of a lot of Euro Euro hits like London Beat. All of those. Uh, Cotton Eye Joe. LaBouche. Yeah. Aqua. Maybe Barbie Girl. They had teenage or cartoon. Teenage Dirtbag. That was that's my one that I had. I was I had I got to put this on my list. I love that song. It's ridiculous. And then the one hit wonder of all one hit wonders that supersedes anything we've mentioned here today. 
godly and motherfucking Lowell Cream. <laughs> you make me want to cry. Uh, I will never, ever, ever, ever stop me thinking they named him Lowell Cream. Lowell Cream, yep. LOL Cream. Yes, I love it. That video. I, if I could change my name. Wall cream to Law Bradway, Wall cream, just straight <laughs> up steel. But I want to make it cream. Like his is C R E M E. I yeah. just want to be cr- like C R E A M, like Prince Cream. Yes, Law Cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, all you suburbanites, when you're done crying, you get your asses back in the pool. Preferably not at the Clopex house. Everybody, back in the pool. <laughs> Our critical question for this week, Jim, I think I know your answer, but do you think that it's important to be neighborly and do you draw any lines? In my instance, when you have a good buddy you work with and your unit next to you is open, you have one of your close friends move in. Now, I've been in situations growing up where you don't really want to be neighborly with the people who live next door to decide once a year to string up a sheep on their tree and gut the fucker and then start yelling at each other. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to just keep to yourself. Yeah. Because you've had run-ins with your trash neighbors. Yes. And you're no need to be neighborly when it comes to assholes. Yes. Fuck that. Yeah. So my, I live in a development uh, of Suburbia. Homes. Suburbia, exactly. And... When we moved into the neighborhood, most of the homes were old people. So it was a little daunting because we figured this is just a cycle of American living. Old people die. Their houses, much of the time, need updated. Big time. Therefore, the homes sell for less than they should. And you get riffraff. Mm-hmm. Not literally the rapper riffraff, but you get, you know, riffraff type people. Uh, there's a neighborhood where I live that's called College Park. That exact thing happened. College Park, you know, you had your housing, pre-housing crisis. They financed everyone. Anybody that wanted a house, I don't care if you make $12,000 a year, we're going to finance you for $200,000. So they financed all these people in homes they couldn't afford. They lived there as long as they could. They lost the homes. Houses went to shit. And then they were bought up at lower cost. And then that went from a very desirable, nice neighborhood to, to a bunch a, of riffraff. Yeah, seedy neighborhood. So I, in my neighborhood, mostly old people. The lady next to me was literally over 100 years old. She passed away and her, none of her kids wanted the house. And her nephew, I call him the squatter because he basically got a free house because he literally showed up like a month before she died. He was like, oh, I'm going to help her out. I'm here to help her out. But he really just wanted the house. You know, I think it's great that you've been able to stay with all the original wood. I I, I was never over here when the Naps lived here. How unfortunate for the Naps. He flew the flag upside down after the election because he was protesting the election. (sighs) Fuck off. He comes into my yard every time I'm doing anything. And he's always like, it's nice that he offers to help. But I am not, like, very neighborly. I mean, if I had, like, cool neighbors who I, you know, I, I don't deem him as cool. Who am I? You spit uh, in the face of people who yes, don't think they're yeah, cool. I chew up an apple and I spit in his face. No, so he, I don't he's just a little bit of a piece of shit. And then my other neighbors, that house started as a rental. And we went through a couple sets of neighbors. And you had your, your hit and miss. You had a guy. Who would sit in his driveway and smoke weed while his three-year-old just wandered the neighborhood. Yeah, whatever. And then he got evicted. And then you got a family who is pretty quiet, pretty chill. And then they moved out. And then we got someone who had some sort of sound system in there. Like they would, he would play video games because I could clearly hear. And it would like rumble my house. And that's like something I don't, you know, go for. Especially not with the girls. And then they got, uh, they left. He worked uh, an hour away, so they moved closer. And then finally, the owners of the home said, you know what? We're going to we're gonna just sell the house. They fixed it up. They sold it. We have a young couple next to us. They don't say a word. Perfect. I'm totally cool with it. They seem nice. They do not speak to us. You know, they don't. They just come and they're quiet. You yeah. know, hope it you stays who, that way. You know who else was quiet? The fucking Clopex. <laughs> yes. And guess what? Well, right. Yeah. So if I see them digging in their yard. It might change. I can be art. Art's got a gun. Okay, why don't we cue someone maybe crazier than the Clopex, David McCall. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. 
You should have allowed nature to take its course. All right, my first logic. Why is art so hungry? Hey, hi, Ray. Hey, what are you guys eating in there? Dude, at breakfast? Holy shit. So he comes over to Ray's house. And he smells the breakfast. He eats the breakfast that Ray's wife makes him, which is like eggs, bacon, sausage, sausage a lot of syrup. Then he goes through their fridge. Just gets up, gets in the fridge, goes Steaks. through. He eats like a turkey leg or a steak. <laughs> it's eight in the morning. Then Ray goes to change. They go outside. Well, before they go outside, he goes, hey, Ray, you going to finish your eggs? So he presumably eats Ray's eggs. They go outside and he, you know, Ray's asking what time the game is. And he asks Ray, he's like, let's go get a sandwich from the deli. Want to go down to the deli and get one of those uh, beef sandwiches? And then when they break into Waters' house, he goes through the fridge because he's starving. So this is probably a script slash casting thing because of, like I said earlier, Corey Feldman describes him as that fat guy. Yeah. Mr. So, Weingartner. So see that fat guy. <laughs> so they probably were going to cast someone larger and justify them. Yeah. Being fat by eating all the time and being hungry all yeah, the Rick, time. The Duke is just overweight. He, but I would I barely put him overweight. He's not fat. I would barely put him overweight. And but he's gotta eat all the time to justify being fat. So that's a logic thing. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. The one thing that also doesn't make sense, the way this call to Zach is set up, you have Ray, right next to the door to him is Art, then right across the street is Rumsfield. Then you got the Clopex and you have Walter on the end. You see all this shit going down between them busting into Walter's house, them busting into the Clopex house, seeing all this weird shit. What about the other neighbors that they're not friends with? Are you telling me they're not going to call the cops and be like, yeah, something weird's going on here. I saw the neighbor strategically cut glass mm -hmm. to get into an old guy's house. I saw my other neighbors literally do a B and E and one decides to fire a gun at a crow. Yeah. And the other neighbor, and by the way, we're at the house that Ricky Butler's painting. Do they ever establish where those people went? I know. That's no. another thing, that's too. Why, that's why we need Burbs, too. Trick Burbaloo. With uh, showing us the other neighbors. Or somebody moves out and somebody moves in. Who moves into the Clopex after, house after the Clopex house? Do they tear it down? That's why I said it'd be kind of cool if you have the, uh, the, dis like the relatives of the Naps move in. And yeah, I... I mean, one of my questions, logic-wise, is why would Walter ask the Clopex? The Clopex because she knows they mail. don't talk. No, and they're they never come out. They're never seen. Why wouldn't they ask Ray or Art or Walter? Like or Walter asked Ray or Rumsfield. Well, Rumsfield also hates Walter because he thinks he trained his dog Queenie to shit in his yard. Yeah, there you go. And he so hates maybe that. he didn't ask Rumsfield, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just weird that they would ask the Clopex of all people. You ask yeah. the new neighbors who don't come outside. And also, the night of the big, hey, this is going to be happening. Ricky invites all of his friends. Pizza guy shows up. Steve Koontz yeah. shows up. Tunza. You're telling me, okay, it's a call to Zach, but there's a lot of fucking noise. Yeah. Once again, why is there no like noise ordinance issues and somehow... They're all sitting up on their roofs and their porches and they're watching all this shit go down. Technically, isn't that aiding and abetting? Wait, yeah. And when that big explosion happens, house, why doesn't somebody, why didn't somebody just think, why don't we call the cops? Well, here's the other thing too. That explosion did no damage to Walter's nothing. house, none to Ray's house. Nothing. Nothing. And I can come from experience in my neighborhood growing up, typical suburban neighborhood, lived in this town. It was. It was a divide. You live up on the hill, you're rich. You live down the hill, you're middle class. In my neighborhood, and this is random, I had a car go through a house, I had a double murder, and I had two house explosions due to a natural gas leak. An explosion with a natural gas leak was felt four to five miles away. Mm -hmm. That explosion at the Clopex house would have been a 40-alarm fire. Yeah. And people from around neighboring towns would yeah. be like something just exploded Even if, if art or ray or rumsfield didn't call the cops someone would have called the cops Oh, big time and when the cop I, it's just weird I also one thing that always needles me is the one detective cannot pronounce clopec right he calls him dr clopec yeah don't you think the weird clopec's like it's clopec yeah clopec 
Clopic, <laughs> Dr. Claw. Anything else for logic you want to mention? No. Okay. Legacy. Typically on this podcast, we discuss movies on a very superficial level, but Joe Dante made a really smart movie with this. Ah, so good. And he has a lot to say about life in the American suburbs and who lives there. Yes. So he's very careful about, you know, the Vietnam vet, the Gen Xer, you know, the guy taking a staycation, old people, you know, and then the Clopex just like weird and closed off. It's in, it's interesting. I mean, much of the United States is suburbia. Yeah. You know, you've got your, your city living and your rural living, but much of America, most people live in suburbia. And it's just a, a cross section of that, a very extreme level. He made a really smart movie. So I'll say that. And to double down, I'll say again, come October, put this October. Yeah, I love I October. October. Come October. I would say put this on your Halloween list because, again, more of a black comedy, but the spooky elements, Joe Dante. Well, you get that one dream or well, nightmare scene where they are cooking Ray over a spit. Mind your own business. Mind your own business. Yeah, and that dream sequence is nuts because... Dukeman dressed up as uh, one of the naps, dressed in the... Where he, he worked at a soda fountain or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yes. And uh, they say, well, that part's fantastic because he's telling, Rumsfeld is telling Ricky this story about a murder that happened at the soda fountain. Yeah. Where he killed his wife and his family and or it, something. It, weird smell. And, yeah, weird smell. And Ray's going, yeah, I remember that. And then Ricky jump scares oh, Ray. Ray. And it's just, it's really funny because Ricky knows He's not falling for it, but Ray is. Well, but Art brings up the whole fact that Ray always has a stick up his ass. Yeah. He comes over here to smoke cigars. His wife won't let him. He doesn't know I know that. Hi, Ray. How you doing, bud? Hey there, Mr. Peterson. Constantly just does not know how to relax. Which Art is kind of the worst in this movie. Oh, God. Because Art yeah. just invites himself over and takes over. And he's just, he's that neighbor you don't want. They do the chanting in the basement. Yeah, they God do the chant. They lock the basement up. Ray tells his wife, I'll smoke cigars outside. I plan on having a few cigars outside. He says something like, I'm going to drink about 100,000 beers <laughs> and have a few cigars outside. outside. This is restful. Hanging around the house, just being lazy. And that's what I want to do. I just want to hang around, be lazy, listen to the ball game and... You know, drink a couple hundred beers and maybe smoke an occasional cigar outside. 100,000 beers. Go ahead. Art steals a cigar from Walter's house and then smokes it in Ray's basement <laughs> while they're reading this book on, like, the occult or whatever. Yeah. Ray, do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? Ray, you're chanting. Ray, Ray, look. Ray, unconscious now. chanting. You're chanting. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Ray, Ray, you're chanting. Hey, once they get in here, it's over, pal. So, uh, yeah, I was put it on your list. Watch it. And you know, know, it's not a long movie. No, it's really not. It's a like hour and a half. Yeah, something, something like that. Yeah. Give it a shot at Halloween. Let us know what you think. After plugs, a little bit more to talk about Joe Dante, but stick around for some plugs. After these messages, we'll be right back. Once again, Pool Sceners, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Also, at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at Pool Scene Podcast at gmail.com. Any movie ideas. We have some amazing movies coming up. If there's a movie you want us to cover, let us know. You're on the journey with us. And now, back to Kevin. So, as we enter our landing strip, Joe Dante directed Gremlins and Gremlins 2. We covered Gremlins 2 back in our Halloween special. Yes. And it was kind of an F you to himself. But there's a new Mountain Dew commercial for Mountain Dew Zero Sugar with... Not that nasty melon looking thing. No, with, with John Cena. No, there is a new 
Mountain Dew commercial, which I sent you a link to. Yes. That has Billy returning. He's sitting with Gizmo. So uh, An older looking Gizmo. And Gizmo wants to drink some of his Mountain Dew. So Billy gives him the Mountain Dew, which Gizmo pours all over himself. And exactly that, a bunch of gremlins pop out. So Billy, still a shitty gremlins owner. Big time. Still irresponsible. Still irresponsible. Still not good at taking care of a mogwai. The interesting thing about this commercial is Billy's daughter comes through the doorway and says, Dad, you know, something or another. Dad, what do you do? I don't know what it is. Like, once it, it, it's in a vein of here he goes again. Yes. But she has like a punk rock mogwai. Yeah, which is badass. It's awesome. And it's sitting on her shoulder. She has green hair. You know, she's pretty neat. You know what bummed me out about the commercial? We did not see Phoebe Cates. Yeah. Our yeah. inspiration for this podcast. Hopefully it's a, a series of, uh, and we'll cover that movie, you know, the inspiration of this podcast. We're going to get to it. Yeah, we're going to get to it. But yeah, it'd be cool if there was a series of these commercials and it had Phoebe Cates. I'd like to see that. One thing I want to bring up, Kevin brought this up last time. Kevin has totally hook, line, and sinkered me into the amazing world of Letterkenny. I'm now into season four. I've learned the lingo. I get it now, Ferda. It's fucking amazing. It's really funny. I can't stress this enough, it's, everybody. You gotta watch it. Really unique, and I will say it's it's kind of like it's always sunny. It is type of uh, each week. What are they gonna get into? You know, they the setting's sort of the same each week. What they're gonna get into? A lot of a lot of what they do, they kind of it, it's repetition. Yeah, they'll repeat the same thing over and over again. There was this one episode. It's at the top before they show the title. He goes through A to Z. And does fucking lines to A to Z. It's the most amazing thing, dude. I don't know if you have you made it that far where they're ice fishing in the in Quebec. Oh yeah, with the the, the French Canadians. Yeah, I fucking love the it. The French Canadians are speaking French and the gang speaking English, and they're yelling at each other but not understanding each other. They don't get. And they're it. talking about Celine Dion. They end up finding common ground that with fucking upcountry DJs. Yeah, that might be uh, my favorite episode. I really oh, like so that good. one. Yeah, it's it's really funny. It's uh it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't. There's nine seasons, but it's only six. 21 episodes 21 minutes long per episode yeah and there are six per season yeah and uh there's a couple holiday specials there are like six three minute animated specials little kenny that's like an origin prequel and i told kevin what you cannot unsee is the guy who plays stanley one of the skids looks like tom cruise if they needed to cast like a young tom cruise or something they totally could yeah definitely so yeah check out letter kenny um Next week, I, I don't know. We might we might throw a swim meet at you. We might cover a movie. We uh, we don't know. Let us know what you you want to do. Yeah, let us know. Let us know what you like. If you enjoyed our swim meet, or you want our typical programming, or you want something new, or you want us to fuck right off. <laughs> Just let us know anything. We'll we'll take some feedback at this point. Don't so. worry. We'll we'll create another thing called the fuck off series. It'll be a three minute episode. <laughs> but I'm just yelling fuck off. All right, your spare parts, bud. Till next week. Silencia. Silencia.